today's message is on rest, uh, and I didn't know how to start it, so I'm just going to start with a little backstory of the last 12 months for me, is that um, I've obviously transitioned out of a role in breakfast radio, and um, probably about 12 months ago, I really felt kind of an unsettled spirit about everything I was doing. I was, I was like uh, really struggling with the hours. I was really struggling with the person I was becoming at the end of the day. And I wasn't really getting any good rest. And um, if you know anything about rest, there's a thing called a circadian pattern. And that's not the animals that come out of the ground um, and make a lot of noise in summertime. It's the, it's the sleep rhythm of your life, right? And if you disrupt your circadian patterns, it can have a knock-on effect. It can shorten your lifespan. It can do a whole bunch of different things, which is why shift workers oftentimes really battle with getting good and proper rest and there's a whole bunch of science behind it and I, I tried to address that with block out blinds in the bedroom and I soundproof my bedroom so I didn't hear the kids having fun outside but at the end of the day nothing was working and I felt like God saying well what's the wrestle here what's the challenge and I was like well I, I really enjoy doing breakfast radio but the hours are killing me and, and I don't like the person who I am um, and I'm really trying to put that together with all this pastoral stuff that you've kind of laid on my heart. I don't, well, why would you train me? Why would you prepare me and then call me to break your radio? That doesn't make a whole bunch of set, sense. And so I went on this journey. Um, December, I ended up going to Pearl Beach. Has anyone been to Pearl Beach? Stunning, right? It's Grand Designs Australia, all the places that no one can afford it. Um, and we got to spend a, a, a week there. And as I was kind of wrestling with God, uh, in the ocean, which is typically where I do my best wrestling with God, um, just a reminder that you know the ocean is an unstoppable beast, and I can do nothing to subdue it. Um, kind of reminds me of the God. You know, God is incredible and all in, awe-inspiring and powerful, and there's nothing that I can do before a good and gracious God, except to worship. And so I kind of was in the ocean, and God, God said to me. Mate, you haven't had peace in like 12 months. You haven't had peace, honestly, the whole time that you've been doing breakfast radio. This has been a real battle for you. Um, and I want you to rediscover peace. And you can't see the next room until you step out of this one. And that, that was really hard for me to hear because um, who loves taking leaps of faith? Not a single solitary human in the room, and if you did stick up your hand, you're lying, right? Because the thing about a leap of faith is that it's a challenge, because it means that you have to release. And on so many different levels, we like to have control over our lives, right? We, we like to be in control. We like to know that we, we, we can do stuff, right? And, and there's so many different things that take you out of control. Like, I'm, I'm a parent with kids, and I just realized how little control I have, yeah? And all the parents with teenager are like, hey, man, and all the parents with, like, older, you know, mature-age kids are like, hey, man, right? This is that sense of control is fleeting. It's hard to hold on to. And I, I was really struggling with this notion, and I just sat down with my wife one day, and I said, babe, I have to step out of this role, Insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. And I really feel like God is saying, step out, find a season of rest, find a season of peace, and I'll show you the next step, right? Now, I didn't have any idea that the next step would be here, which just shows you how clueless I am to what God is authoring in my life. Um, 
But he was also saying you need to rediscover the peace of God. And this idea of shalom is really important. Um, I am in process on this. So I, by no means have I discovered the full peace of God. Um, and anyone who says that they know the fullness and the peace of God in its entirety is crazy. Um, I think we're all in process, aren't we? Is anyone yet complete? <laughs> is that idea, right, of the now but not yet? Is that we, we have the presence of God, but we are not yet fully who we were created to be, and we are all in process on that journey. But as part of that, God reveals his peace, his shalom. And this word shalom, if we do a little word study, is it's an Old Testament term that fundamentally connects with the idea of welfare, prosperity, wholeness, the absence of hostility, and it's frequently used as the antithesis of harm and a synonym for what is good. So, you know, if I was to say, shalom, my brother, to go in peace. There is no hostility on my heart. And may, may, may goodness, welfare, prosperity and wholeness go with you. Now, uh, in Scripture, we see this more fully in the idea of the covenant of peace. God is trying to bring his people back to peace. Uh, and in Isaiah 32, 15 to 18, it says, Till the Spirit is poured upon us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest, and justice will dwell in the desert, and the righteousness live in the fertile field, and the fruit of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of that righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever, and the people will live in peaceful dwelling places and secure homes. It encapsulates that full spirit of shalom. In the New Testament, we see this linked again with the Prince of Peace, who is... Amen. We're doing this together. Glory to God in the most highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's Luke 2.14. Is that we can find peace in the arms of Jesus. Shalom is present again. And as believers we should understand that the goal is heaven and that perfection of shalom. That allows us to rest once again with Yahweh forever, delighting in that goodness. The thing is about rest, it's really hard to get there if we aren't willing to accept this idea of an unconditional love that comes from God. That will leave us restless. Because if we aren't willing to receive an unconditional love from God, then we will always be asking Yahweh, what is it that I can do for you? And so one of the things I learn in the waves of the ocean, and I, w I was talking with a, uh, with a friend at the gym, not a Christian at all, and I said, I, I, there's something healing about going out in the ocean and just wrestling stuff out with God. And he's like, well, I don't understand your God, but what I like about the waves is the waves just keep on being waves. You're in the surf, you're out of the surf, guess what? Waves be waves. They just crash into the ocean, they crash into the shore, you're out there, they just crash on over you. Waves will always be waves. And I think there's not a moment that you can get out in the ocean and say to the ocean, what is it that I can do for you today? Waves be waves. 
And I think that's a really important question to ask of God. At no stage do you stand before God and say, what is it that I can do to make your life a little bit better? God's unconditional love is unconditional. It is not dependent on something that you have done or will do in the future or have done in the past. He loved you before you loved him and he will continue to love you unconditionally. It's the same kind of love that we desire as parents to show our children, isn't it? That unconditional love. Although it would be so nice if my child would wake up at 7 a.m. rather than 4 (laughs) a.m. But shalom be upon him. Um, This is really important because we can't find peace if we believe that there's something that we must do for God. That love is unconditional. It's not predicated on anything you can do. Sorry, I'm trying to process through it as well. So, you know, when you hear something, you're like, "Ah, ah, ah, I'm sure there's something I can do, God. Don't say it out loud. Um, But it's hard to hear. And it's one of the challenges of finding rest is sometimes we just need to sit in the presence of God and say, teach me, show me. Um, Isaiah 43, sorry, uh, Psalm 46 uh, verse 10 says, um, reminds us, to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on earth. Do you see your name in there anywhere? Be still and know I'm God. God's requirement is for you to sit and not do anything and allow God to be God. Uh, Isaiah 43, 1-3, When you pass through the waters, I'll be there with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Because I am with you. It's not predicated on what you can do. It's predicated on God doing it for you. So, as a community, I dare say that 2020 had us feeling a little anxious. It was an anxiety-riddled year, an intense anxiety-riddled year. And so how do we find this rest amongst that feeling of anxious anxiety where we were effectively stripped of a lot of control? Things that we thought we could do and go and do were removed from us. Things that we wanted freedom to do were taken and replaced with masks over our face. I mean, there was a real sense of stripping of control. And so how do we find that peace? How do we find it? Well, we have to look to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Anyone could give this sermon. The answer is Jesus. (laughs) That's what they, you know, like, that's probably what my son's doing out there now. You remember when you're in... in, um, Sunday school, and they're like, what's the answer? And you just scream, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. It's not, but good guess. <laughs> but it also is. Um, the first thing I want to say is practically solitude and isolation are two very different things. Jesus would often practice solitude, not isolation. Okay? Solitude is a proactive decision to spend some time away from other people with a purpose of pushing in with God. That's solitude. Solitude is saying to yourself, I'm going to go out and stand in the waves at DY 
so I can feel in the presence of God. My mission is to go and spend time with God proactively, however that might look. Now, when you do this, your goal is to experience the presence of God. And you're doing that purposefully. Okay, when Jesus withdraws from the crowd, when he withdraws from the disciples, which we see all the way through the gospel, is that he is doing it with the express purpose to recharge. Okay? Isolation is very different. Isolation is often reactive. It involves crawling up under the doona and pulling it up over your head and wishing the world would disappear. It involves us sitting in front of a TV and trying to check out as we're trying to find something to watch or play a computer game hoping that we can detach from the world with no specific purpose in mind apart from just getting away from everyone. That's isolation. The second thing I want to say is prayer is essential for all of this. If we are to discover rest, then we need to understand that there needs to be a season where in rest we find a way to pray. Um, I was sitting in the meeting um, and Anne was just passionately sharing amongst the interim team um, a, a, a desire for prayer, you know, and Alan's in the corner amening. And, you know, there's, 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 you, you know a prayer warrior when you see one, right? Like they just, they're into it. Anne's a really great example of that as well. You know, they're, they're, these, these are people who are passionate about prayer. The most frightening thing in the world for me is to try and figure out how to pray for three hours in a room. You, know, you bet you saw Johan come up here. He's like, man, we would have gone six. You could not kick us out of this room. And the, but we had to be done by 12, right? There's a passion and a fervor to it. One of the things that I've been practicing is because I, I just don't know how to pray for three hours. Is um, it's an old monastic practice of guided prayer. Um, this idea of a, of a deep meditative prayer where someone takes me on a journey, you know. And there's some there's some great resources where it's like podcasts. Um, ask the young kids about them. Um, but you put it on, and it's. Uh, this idea of creation. So I don't have to say anything, but somebody takes me on a journey of creation. As I, as I soar up, and this is going to sound very weird, but you soar up out of your body and you behold God's creation and you see the trees and you see the birds. You know, And it's this idea of meditating on the creation of God because the thing is, is that like for five years, for three and a half hours every day, my whole role was to talk and I just hit this place where I just don't want to talk. I just want to sit in the presence of God and allow him to speak. I've said enough and I've got no more words to say. And so when it comes to prayer for me, I really like this idea of this silence. I just want to sit and have the words of God wash over me. You know, and so I might pray through a psalm or pray through a chapter of scripture or just repeat a verse and allow it to work through my soul. All right, because... Why would scripture and prayer be so powerfully linked? Well, Hebrews 4, 11 to 13 reminds us what? That the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. 
It penetrates even to dividing soul, spirit, joints and marrows. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we're struggling and we're resting and we're trying to find peace, allowing scripture to wash over us actually is, is a dissection of the soul. What's the real issue here? You can't, you can't have peace unless you receive unconditional love. And if you can't receive unconditional love because you have anger in your heart, how are you going to be aware of it unless you allow Scripture to dissect your soul and reveal that to you? And we don't want to hear that because accountability can get hard sometimes, but that's where Scripture allows us to minister to our heart. And so I find myself in a place of prayer where I just want to sit and listen to God. You know, and maybe it's a song and I'll start to sing a, a song. You know, I won't do it. Don't ha- I don't have a mask on. Um, that's the reason. Um, <laughs> if we find purposefully space where we proactively remove ourselves to spend time in solitude with God, that we allow the practice of prayer, which is a learned practice. People don't just wake up prayer warriors, okay? It's a learned practice where we allow Scripture to wash over us and dissect us and reveal those things that need to be revealed to us. Then we can start to find shalom and rest. And one of the hardest... It, it's so... It, it feels weird because the only person who can relate to you are other breakfast radio show hosts. Um, and they're all a bunch of emotional divas, including me. Um, one of the hardest things about the last five years was the absence of community in my life. And it was one of the things that God was trying to reveal to me is that he's like, listen, you're manufacturing this really fantastic fake community on air and there's a lot of strength to what was going on in that community, right? But it wasn't any face-to-face contact. And for the most part, it's one way. I mean, you get interaction through text lines and through the occasional call. But what I was realizing was I'm living three and a half, four hours off everyone else's schedule. And like I went out to um, hang out with friends like a month ago. And I was like, this is the first time I've been out midweek in five years. And it just, it hit me. I'm like, how do you, how is your favorite psalm Psalm 133, how good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in unity and you can't even get by verse 1? Outside of your family, who is it that you are dwelling together in unity, Duncan, right? Because what does scripture do? Divides the heart and soul, doesn't it? Does a little dissection. Next verse. It is like precious oil being poured on the head, running down the beard, running down Aaron's beard, down his collar of his robe. Who doesn't love an oily beard? (laughs) Doris, you ever turn to Austin and say, where's your oily beard? (laughs) Never. 
This scripture is really good because <laughs> this is where you have to kind of do some, some research. Um, no one has a refrigerator. Israelites, you won't believe this, when they walked out of um, Egypt, didn't actually bring any fridges with them. Why? Because uh, the Kelvinator hadn't been invented. Um, and so the way that you would cool yourself is with oil. So on a, on a hot day, you would have scented oils because you won't believe it that men would sweat back then too and um, Rexona hadn't been invented yet either. And so what you could do is you, you would pour oil on yourself and it was a scented oil. It would smell really good, but it would cool you. It would have this delightful cooling property about it. And what happens when you, on a hot day, and you get something cool and refreshing? You feel refreshed. And that's what this is getting at. Next verse. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing and life evermore. What is Hermon? Is he a person? No, he's a mountain. Um, thank you for asking. Everyone knew where Hermon was. All the Israelites could point at Hermon and say, there's Hermon. Real common occurrence. Everyone was aware of it. Everyone could see of it. Everyone was hoping for Mount Zion. No one has seen it. No one has been there. No one could point it out. And the point of this is to say that something so simple as community, that everyone could see and was available to everyone, was as good as the place that we were all hoping to go. It was like a little piece of it. Has anyone had that experience where you have... Um, a whole bunch of brothers and sisters in Christ over at your place and the party's so good you don't ever want it to end. Has anyone had that moment? You go away on a trip with some brothers and sisters in Christ and it is so good you're miserable for two weeks once you get back. That is the experience of dew from Hermon falling on Mount Zion. It's the experience of community. And God was saying to me, you are not going to understand peace unless you understand your need to be in community. It's hard to hear. Because God wants us to understand that when we get to heaven, it's a community of people. You know, I... I often say to my wife, only because it annoys her, <laughs> you do that in marriage sometimes, um, I'm so excited to have you live across the hallway from me in heaven. <laughs> you know? And I just, I want to let you know that any time I'm in the room, if you want to knock on the door and come over and visit, you're welcome to. You know? Um, and then she goes, well, why wouldn't I be in the room next door? And I'm like, well, you know, the walls are thin in heaven and I've heard you snore, so I prefer you. No. But we don't live in an isolated room in the Father's house, like a hermit. We live in this grand community and part of the blessings of God, if we go to the end of that, can we go to the end of that passage, Psalm 133? For there the Lord bestows his blessing and life evermore. That's the one I love is this idea that there's this, there's this rich wonder in the joy of community when we are united with one king and one purpose. 
And so it, it, I'm not there. You know, like I haven't felt like in prayer time, God saying, nailed it, you got peace now, time to move on. And I don't think God is going to stop calling me to big, bold faith decisions where I have to make a leap of faith. But the only way that I'm going to get confident and comfortable making those leaps of faith is if I believe that the Prince of Peace has shared that shalom with me. And so my hope is, as we navigate a new season for our church, that we can find that peace, that we can find that rest, and we can find that assuredness of the presence of God in our community moving us forward. And that's my prayer. It's certainly the prayer for my life right now. That's one of the reasons I was so excited to study for this talk. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to discover your shalom and your peace. Lord, that you might present yourself in a way that we can feel your presence, that you love us, that you understand what we're feeling and the anxieties that we have, Lord, but you have something so much grander and so much bolder and so much more exciting for our lives. Lord, that we might experience that unconditional love anew. And it might remind us of your shalom, something that we want to walk in. Amen.